what do you do when you don't know what to do? Well, that's exactly where these followers of Jesus found themselves in Acts chapter 1. It was a bewildering time for this small little band of believers that Jesus had commissioned to impact the world. And if you think about it, they had really been on an emotional roller coaster ride for the past couple of months. I mean, they were following Jesus, and Jesus was doing great things, and they were loving him and learning from him and seeing the impact. And then suddenly he's arrested. He's rushed through these mock trials, and he's put to death on a cross. And then there's a resurrection, and he's back, and he's spending time with them, and he's teaching them about the kingdom of God, and then he's gone again. There's an ascension. And here they are, <laughs> huddled in an upper room, and they have no idea what to do. So what do you do when you have no idea what to do? Well, I think our passage today gives us some insights to help us with that. And so my Bible is open to Acts chapter 1. I would encourage you, if you have a Bible or a device with you this morning, to take it and open it there with me as well. Acts chapter 1. We're just in this new series of what to do when you don't know what to do. I'd encourage you as well to reach inside your worship folder and pull out these message notes on the front side. It has the passage that we're going to deal with today, the the bottom end of Acts chapter 1, verses 14 to 26. And then on the back, it has my outline and places where you can fill in some blanks if you care to do so, some blank spaces where you can write some notes to yourself if the Holy Spirit speaks to you about anything this morning. So pull that out as well. But I think we'll see here in this passage that the first thing that you do when you don't know what to do is you pray. Pray and pray some more. <laughs> That's what they do. If you look here at chapter 1, verse 14, it says this. It says, they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. See, the first thing that they did was to pray. In fact, the second thing that they did was to pray. And the third thing that they did was pray. They were constantly praying. All of them were huddled together, praying, seeking guidance from God. When you don't know what to do, the first thing that we ought to do is to pray. And I expect... They spent time praying on their own individually. I expect they spent a lot of time breaking down into smaller groups and praying with each other. They probably spent time as a large group all together, the 120 of them praying together, whoever was in the room at the time. But for days and days, the main thing that they did was to pray. Now, I don't know about you, 
But I have this tendency that I've discovered about myself that quite often when everything's going great, I have this tendency to coast. Everybody know what I'm talking about? But when I don't know what to do, (laughs) when I find myself out of control, when I find myself confused, you know what I do? I pray. And that's what they were doing there. But you know, when you think about it, why, why is it that we pray? What's, what's the point of doing that? Well, we pray because we're hoping that God will show us what we ought to do, right? Isn't that why we pray? And that's certainly why they were praying. But then finally, after days and days of praying, Peter takes charge. You know, Peter emerges as the leader. In fact, as we'll see through the book of Acts in the first part, Peter emerges as the primary leader of this movement, of this new-founded church. And so Peter kind of takes charge there, and he shows us the second thing that we ought to do when we don't know what to do. And I think we can see that if you keep reading with me. Verse 15. It says, In those days, Peter stood up, among the believers, a group numbering about 120. And he said, brothers and sisters, the scriptures had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and he shared in our ministry. And with the payment that he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field, and there he fell headlong. His body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Wow, we go from PG to R in a hurry right there, don't we? (laughs) And he says, everyone in Jerusalem heard about this. And so they called that field in their language, Alkaldama, that is the field of blood. For, said Peter... It is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it. And another place in the Psalms, may another take his place of leadership. And so therefore it's necessary to choose one of the men who've been with us the whole time that the Lord Jesus was among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time When Jesus was taken up from us, we we need to pick someone who's been with us through this entire ministry of Jesus from his baptism right up to his ascension. Um, And says, for one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So what had been going on in the midst of spending time praying, Peter, and I'm sure others too, they had been searching the scriptures. You know, if God is going to speak to us, there's a good chance his guidance is going to come from his revealed word, from the Bible, right? And so Peter had been searching the scriptures, and after a while, he concludes, you know what we need to do? We need to replace Judas. Now, probably, Peter remembered a promise that Jesus had made And we can read about that. You don't need to turn there. But in Matthew chapter 19, verse 28, Jesus was talking. And he said to his um, 
disciples there, he said, Truly, I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sets on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also set on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And so Peter's thinking, and he says, Jesus says there's going to be twelve of us judging 12 of us over the 12 tribes of Israel, and there used to be 12 of us, and now we're down a man, right? So it would make sense that maybe what we ought to do is replace him, see? And in addition to this, Peter finds some direction in the Psalms. He says some things that David wrote, and so he quotes from Psalm 69, verse 25, where it says, may their place be deserted, that's the part that he quotes there, let there be no one to dwell in their tents. And he also quotes from Psalm 109. I'll read to you uh, verses 1 to 8. It's the last part of the 8th verse that he quotes there. But in Psalm 109, it says this. My God, whom I praise, again, this is David writing, do not remain silent, for people who are wicked and deceitful have opened their mouths against me. They have spoken against me with lying tongues. The words of hatred, they surround me. They attack me without cause. In return for my friendship, they accuse me, for I am a man of prayer. And they repay me evil for good and hatred for my friendship. I think many of us have experienced that kind of betrayal and hurt and wounding. Verse 6, he says, Appoint someone evil to oppose my enemy. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. And when he is tried, let him be found guilty. And may his prayers condemn him. May his days be few. And then here's the part that he pulls out. May another take his place of leadership. And so what Peter does that I think reveals the second thing that we ought to do when we find ourselves not knowing what to do. First, we pray, and the second thing we do is we search the Scriptures for input. We see what God has to say. We're asking God for guidance. There's lots of ways God might give us that guidance, but certainly the first place we ought to look for His guiding is in His revealed Word, right? We search the Scriptures. And so I want to tell you, If you're asking God today to direct you about whether or not you ought to leave your husband because he's gotten old and stodgy and doesn't pay you the attention he used to, let me tell you, God has already given you an answer about that, hasn't he? In his word. If you're praying for God to help you about whether or not you should poison someone because you're having some issues with them, let me tell you, God's already given you an answer to that, hasn't he? In his word. But generally, it's not that black and white, is it? And it wasn't for Peter and this small group of followers of Jesus that he had left behind. And so often, I think, it's more likely going to be biblical principles than chapter and verse in terms of how God's going to direct us from his word. You know, you've got this great job opportunity. And you'll make tons more money. That's a good thing, right? You'll 
advance in the company. That's a good thing, probably. But at the same time, it's going to take you away from your family. It's going to take you away from time with your church, with your community, with your small group. Maybe it might even require you to relocate and move to another place. And God's just clearly showing you, working in you and your family. And all of that has to come into play. What do you do? What might God have to say in his word that might help you with that kind of decision? You know, I'm in the, you find yourself in the middle of some relational conflict, <clears throat> excuse me, that's causing you a lot of pain. What do you do? Well, God's word has something to say about dealing with conflict. He has something to say about humbling myself for the sake of relating to others? What might God have to say in his word that might give me help in determining what I might need to do? I'm interested in this really, you know, cute girl, and she uh, fits the primary qualification. Well, the primary two, she's cute, and number two, she's willing to go out with me, right? And so, but she doesn't follow Christ. She's not a Christian, doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, isn't following hard after Jesus. What I do? Well, God might have something to say in his word that might give us help, might give us um, guidance in making that kind of decision. What do you do? See, when you don't know what to do, the first thing you do is you pray. You pray constantly. You pray by yourself and you pray with others. Don't miss that in Acts chapter 1, they were together in community praying. See, some of us think, well, I'm praying, I'm praying, but nobody else is praying with me. You pray with, by yourself, you pray with others, you pray in community. And then secondly, you see what direction God might have for you from his word. And then here's the third thing that you do. You then make what seems to be the best choice given how you've sensed God's direction. Look in verse 23. It says, So they nominated two men, Joseph, called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. They select two godly guys who've been loyal followers of Christ from the beginning, all throughout his ministry, Justice and Messiah, and Matthias. You know, some of us, when we have a choice in front of us, we can just stay paralyzed forever, can't we? You know, there's an old joke, probably most of you have heard it, but it's still a good joke, and it proves my point here, so I'm going to tell it. Uh, you know, there's this guy, and he's trapped in his house during a flood. And he's a believer of Christ, and he's praying to God, God, rescue me, right? But the waters, they keep rising. And so he's out on his porch, and a raft comes up, and the guy says, get in. I'll take you to safety. And the guy says, no, God is going to rescue me. But the waters keep rising, right? So now he's on the second floor. A motorboat comes by. 
Guy opens his window, and the guy in the motorboat says, crawl out of there. I'll take you to safety. The guy says, no, God is going to rescue me. But the waters keep rising. He's up on his roof. Guy in a helicopter comes, drops down the ladder, or drops down the, the rope ladder, and says, get on. And the guy says, no, God is going to rescue me. So the helicopter flies off, and what happens? The guy drowns. Gets to heaven. He finds God. He says, God, what? why didn't you rescue me? And God says, what? I sent a raft, a boat, and a helicopter, right? Why didn't you, take, why didn't you get on? See, we, we can stay paralyzed in our fear. Now, that joke's not theologically correct. <laughs> but I think what happens is so often we, we get trapped in our preconceived notion of how God's going to do it. Or we get so paralyzed by our fear that we don't take action when the time's right to take action. You see, there's a time to pray, and there's a time to search the Scriptures, but there also comes a time to act. And we shouldn't be afraid to take steps, to take action when the time comes. And you know, sometimes the answer to our prayer comes loud and clear, doesn't it? I remember Janet and I had been reaching out to a neighbor, and uh, uh, things had been really going well. They had been responding, and we had uh, our small group was involved, and they had come to some small group things, and they were beginning to show more and more openness to just Christ. They weren't believers. They weren't Christians. They didn't go to church. And Janet and I had been praying about, should we maybe invite them to church with us? And uh, we had just been talking and praying about that one Saturday night when there was a knock on the door, and that was our neighbor. And our neighbor said to us, hey, would it be all right if we came to church with you tomorrow? <laughs> well, that was a pretty loud and clear answer, right? But, you know, again, we get ourselves in trouble when we always then expect God to answer the exact same way every time, because he seldom does. Isn't that right? So here's what I'm saying. Don't live out of fear. You know, what, what, what if I make the wrong choice and I don't know? You see, when we've humbled ourselves and we've prayed and we've sought God's leading through his word or through circumstances, there comes a time when we just need to do what seems to be the best course of action that seems right. And that's what these followers of Jesus did. They prayed. They sought God's guidance. And then when the time came, they picked two solid, godly men. And then they did this. Number four, I think what we do, is we pray some more. See, they nominated Justice and Matthias. And then, verse 24... It says, then they prayed. They didn't say, hey, we've already prayed. <laughs> no, they just kept on praying. God, we st don't let us run ahead of ourselves now. Don't, don't let us go off on our own strength now. God, we need your strength now. It says, verse 24, then they prayed. Lord, you know everyone's heart. So show us which of these two you have chosen 
to take over the apostolic ministry which Judas left to go where he belongs. And then they cast lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and so they added, he was added, to the 11 apostles. He joined them as the 12. God, we've, we've sought your heart. We've sought to do the thing that would be most pleasing to you, but, but don't let us go off in our own strength now. And so we pray some more. They prayed some more. Now, in this case, they cast lots to choose between the two, which would be kind of like rolling dice. It was a decision method that's used a lot in the Bible, in the Old Testament particularly. But remember, the Holy Spirit hasn't come yet. He's not living in them individually yet. That's going to happen in the very next chapter. And so this is the last time that you see anywhere in the Bible where they're casting lots to make decisions. If you have a big decision in you, don't go home and break out the Yahtzee game and find the dice to try to determine God's will. Now, if you're in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. But what do you do when you don't know what to do? Here's what you do. I think you pray like crazy. You humble yourself before God, and you seek guidance from Him. Not only that, you search the Scriptures for God's input. What does He have to say to you? Again, God speaks through other ways, but He always speaks first and foremost from His Word. And then you act. You make the best choice given how you sense God's direction. Don't be paralyzed by fear. God's not playing hide-and-seek with you. You act, and then you keep on praying, continually leaning on God and His blessing and what it is, whatever choice you find in front of you. Well, maybe this morning... That's the kind of place you find yourself today. You have something in front of you, and you just aren't sure what to do. By the way, I'd be remiss in not mentioning this. If you're not in a small group, this is another one of those reasons why you ought to be in one. Where not only can you pray, but others that you're in community with can be praying with you. And there's other people who have choices to make who need you to be there to pray with them in community. But maybe this morning, right now, maybe you're here this morning and what you need most right now is for someone to pray with you. And so I want to encourage you. We're going to worship here in just a moment. We have prayer team people who will be here on both sides. And maybe what you ought to do, just while we're singing, just slip out. No one cares. No one's watching. Don't listen to those voices. Maybe what you just need to do is go to one of them and say, man, here's what's going on with me. Would you pray with me right now about this? Maybe that's what some of us need to be doing this morning. Maybe... What you need to do is just, even while we're singing, maybe you need to stop singing long enough to just right there say to Jesus, Jesus, 
I just humble myself before you. God, tell me what to do. Lead me. I need your help, Jesus. Say those words. Give me guidance. Lead me. Direct me. I really want to do the thing that will please you. And maybe there's some of us that right while we're singing, we just need to take a moment and stop singing long enough to really humble ourselves before Jesus and pray. But no matter what it is, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, as your people, we want your guidance. There's some of us today, right here, this morning, that's where we find ourselves. Lord, that, that in the way that you do, this message was for that person or those people. And you've spoken to them. God, give them the courage to, to do these things. Lord, there's some of us that are sitting here this morning, and we've got the world by the tail right now. But this week, a month from now, days from now, we're going to find ourselves with a situation. Lord, give us recall on this. And help us not run off on our own ways. Help us not take things on our own shoulders. Help us not get advice from everybody but you. But Lord, help us humbly come to you. Help us come to your word. Help us hear from the community around us in a way that helps us be people that please you by our choices. And we pray it in your name and for your glory. Amen.